Hey there. Thank you for joining me, Stanley, again on the Saturday. Um, it's been a little while since I've gotten to record anything. Um, for those of you watching this, yes, we did get a new computer, and so we are now um, able to do a video again. Um, I'm still going to do the uh, podcast. That's why I have the headphones in. For those of you listening to the podcast, I'm grateful that you've been enjoying it. It's been a while since I've posted anything and I needed to give an update because some things have changed. And so I'm going to give an update and this podcast and probably the next couple are going to have a little bit to do about some of my reflections on that. Um, in a lot of ways, I'm going to go back to where this first started. Um, if, if you weren't around then, um, I first started recording these Saturday with Stanley videos while I was in seminary at Duke. It was a way for me to process some of the stuff that I was getting from school, um, especially stuff that I couldn't put into a sermon. And uh, from there, it's just kind of been a place to put some extra thoughts of mine. And I want to be able to process some things that have happened and um, share some of these thoughts. Maybe they'll be helpful. Maybe they won't be. Um, so a, a lot of you know that uh, recently... Uh, my wife and I, we'd become foster parents. We took in our first placement two years ago. Um, and then about a year into that, actually, we made the decision to move forward with adopting her. Well, a few weeks ago, probably a couple months ago, some of her behaviors uh, really started changing. They got a lot more extreme. Um, she was dealing with a lot of trauma and trying to work through it in ways that um, I don't think any of us who were working with her care really fully knew, um, especially my wife and I. We were not prepared for some of these changes. We weren't prepared for some of the things that happened. And um, things just started spiraling very quickly so that um, a few weeks ago, we had to make the decision that we could not adopt her. And it spiraled so fast that we um, made that decision. And very quickly afterward, we had to go back to our foster care agency and said, you need to remove her from our home. We, we can't handle the stuff that's happening anymore. Um, I'm saying this partially just to let you know what's going on. It's been very hard the last couple weeks in many ways. Um, my family lost a child. That, that's what it feels like. Um, she wasn't just a kid that we were temporarily caring for anymore. She was our child. Uh, my wife and I, we've lost a daughter. Our girls lost a sister. It's been pretty hard these last couple weeks. Um... But I also wanted to clear up some things because uh, my wife put up a post saying that this happened and uh, she put that up in response to hearing that people have been spreading some stuff around. And then um, we've heard that, again, even though she uh, briefly put up a post saying what happened, uh, people are still spreading stuff around. Um, people are making comments that I know are meant to be helpful, but They've not been. So I did want to put a few things straight. First of all, um, she was never a threat to the other girls. Um, she 
treated them extremely well. She, um, you know, it was just normal kid stuff. So it's not like she ever posed a threat to the girls. Um, and it is hard to point this out and, and say that it was anyone's fault. I mean, my wife and I weren't trained to handle the needs that she had from her trauma. That kind of is where things boil down to. Um, so I, I don't want to put the blame on her because she's trying to work through a trauma that is beyond what most of us could comprehend. And um, I don't want to put it on my wife and I because we did our best. We loved her deeply and we loved her well. But um, when you're not prepared for some of these things, then there's no knowing how you'll react or what will happen. Um, and I don't want to blame our foster agency um, because they tried to prepare us. They did teach us some things. Um just not preparing us to the level of what we needed. Um, but they, they did make that effort. Um, but I also want to make sure that it's clear because suddenly found out that this rumor was happening. Um, we did nothing to like make other people come in and remove her. That's not at all what happened. I was very disappointed to hear that that rumor was spread. Um, that's not what happened. We're still licenses, foster parents. And once we've had a chance to heal and move on a little bit. Um, we, we do plan on continuing to be foster parents. It's just going to take us a while to get past the situation. Um, so thank you for your prayers as we work through this. Um, and uh, just, I would just kindly ask, you know, don't start spreading the story around. Um, I'm posting it, sharing what needs to be known beyond this. Just let it, let it be. Um, we, we need the time to heal without worrying about what someone may or may not be saying about this. With all of that said, um, I've had some reflections on this situation and that's what I'm going to share this week and probably the next a couple weeks, um, just thinking through this, thinking about, um, some things that have come up that, that I never really thought much about until all of this has happened. Um, and the first one brings me to a Bible story that I've read, I knew it was there, um, but never would have been able to look at in the way that I am now um, without dealing with this. So it it's in Genesis um, chapter, the, the like key moment is in chapter 21, but it's uh, found pretty much throughout Genesis kind of 12 through 21. It's... Um, the story of Abraham and his first son. So when we hear Abraham, we think of his son, Isaac, but Abraham does have a son before Isaac. That son is Ishmael. And, um, the, the way the story unfolds, um, skipping over a lot, but the way the story somewhat unfolds is that, um, Abraham is married to Sarah. They're not able to have kids. 
And so eventually Sarah says, hey, you know what? I have this um, slave. Her name is Hagar. Go ahead, have a child through her. It was a system that was common at that time. It was kind of a surrogacy system, except it was forced. The servant didn't get to choose whether they were part of this or not. So um, Abraham ends up having a son through Hagar. The son is named Ishmael. And um, it's interesting because um, in this setting, we actually are given one of the names of God. In this broken family setting, one of the names of God gets revealed. Um, It's revealed, um, Hagar calls God, I've heard translations say, it's the God who sees me or I've seen God and lived. Um, But that name is given in this broken situation. But the situation actually breaks even further. Once Abraham and Sarah do finally have Isaac, Sarah sees Hagar and Ishmael and has just had enough. She's like, I, I can't deal with these people anymore. I can't deal with them. They are who knows what, but Sarah's just like, they need to go. They need to go. And Abraham's distraught because this is his son, but God says, no, it's fine. I'll be with them. Go ahead. And so Abraham dismisses Hagar and Ishmael. And we see in the story that God actually does follow them and and protect them. This isn't a God who's only concerned with the ones that he's chosen. It's a God who's concerned with all of those connected to this. Hagar and Ishmael go off, wander into the desert. They're, they're out of water. They feel like they are about to die. And it's at this point, Hagar walks away from Ishmael because Hagar's like, I can't watch my son die. And God shows up and says, hey, look, there's actually water just a little ways away from here. And God provides for Hagar and Ishmael and they will go on and um, they'll, they'll become a a pretty strong nation group of nations will come from um, Ishmael. And uh, we we only hear like tiny bits and pieces um, about Ishmael's descendants after this. Um, There are a few references in the Old Testament that could be about Ishmael's descendants, but may or may not be. We know that they do show up in the story of Joseph. um, But beyond that, you know, the story shifts. We, we don't watch Ishmael anymore, but we do know that God did watch over Hagar and Ishmael and allow them uh, to, to survive and, and move on. And God did provide for them as God promised. Now, most of the time I have ever heard a story about Hagar and Ishmael, it's always about how broken this whole thing is. It, right? It's, a, it's about the, the abuse of, of Hagar because she's just used as a surrogate against her will. That It wasn't a good system. It, there's nothing right about that system. About how, how broken and abusive Abraham and Sarah are to Hagar and Ishmael, sending them off like this. It's not okay. Um, 
not even giving them enough water to get where they would need to go um, wasn't okay. But then going through this journey, I couldn't help but thinking that maybe the the feelings and struggle that my wife and I are having right now might help us understand the story from Abraham and Sarah's perspective. For for Sarah looking at Hagar and Ishmael, this is a sign of of her deepest trauma and pain. Because in that culture, being able to give birth to a child, that is what it means to be a woman. And if you cannot give birth to children, then you're pretty much worthless. And so she gives Abraham Hagar and Hagar gives birth to a child. And it's like confirming that worthlessness in her. And here she is now. She did just give birth to a son and the son is, is growing up and um, we just get a detail that the, the son had just been weaned at the, right before they dismiss Hagar and Ishmael. So it's like the child's going to live um, is kind of what that means. Like this child is going to grow up and the child will survive and live. And, and yet that brokenness that she had experienced is constantly in front of her as she looks at Hagar and Ishmael. And I can't imagine the mental anguish and the pain that she's feeling this entire time. Every time she looks on Hagar and every time she looks on Ishmael. And it eventually overwhelms her and she demands that they be sent away. I I don't think it was from a cold and callous place. I think it was from a deeply hurt place that Sarah looks at this situation and says, I can't do this anymore. I can't continue to have this child and to take care of this child who's not mine anymore. And then Abraham... I mean, it's his son. And and he gets distraught over this thought. How can I cast out my son? And yet, he needs to do it. God reassures him about it, but Abraham kind of knows this is a decision he has to make. That's where Christine and I are in a lot of ways right now. Um, you know, being a foster parent brings up a lot of the, the pain and trauma and stuff. And it has for both me and Christine. And, and it's, it's been hard. It's not been an easy journey. And, and making this decision was, was hard. It's not one that we wanted to make. But we knew for our good and for the good of our foster daughter that we had to do it. We, we couldn't continue things where they were. And it has been a constant source of pain and anxiety for us. First of all, just thinking about 
everything that's brought up in us, the, the, the good and the bad. Um, it's been hard. And yet, in thinking about this story, I continue to get a lot of hope. Because God watches over and provides for Hagar and Ishmael. Abraham will eventually have to sacrifice Isaac or, or be willing to sacrifice Isaac. He, he could not allow his identity to solely be in, well, I have these children and, you know, that's enough. Abraham's story will move on. Sarah's story will move on. And God uses them to craft the story of the Old Testament and to craft the redemption of all of creation. But where I'm at right now, I'm not so worried about my story and and how things will move forward with me. I am concerned about my foster daughter. There have been a lot of concerns about how things will move forward. But it's been a great reminder to me to remember that the story of Hagar and Ishmael is a reminder that that God is the God who sees us. God sees us in our pain. God sees us in our suffering. God sees us in those places where relationships break down so much that they get torn apart. And yet God is able to take that and still work beautiful things and take care of and provide for those people who he loves. And that stretches out beyond just a small group of people who decide to uh, call themselves by God's name and not even decide to, but who God decides to use in special ways. It's not like somehow God's blessing is limited to that small group of people who God chooses to use, whether I'm thinking about me and my family as foster parents, or whether I'm thinking about my church or the church, like God's work and love is not bound by these limits. It's going to continue reaching out because God loves and cares for all people. And so God is still working in my foster daughter's story. Still shaping it, still in control of all of it, still bringing about her good and God's great glory through her life. And my wife and I have already seen it in a lot of ways. This is not anything that we can come close to talking about here, but we're we're already seeing some of that um, as things have moved forward and some of the details have already been working out. Um, but I know it'll continue. No matter what these days will hold, no matter what the upcoming weeks and months will hold, we will heal, we'll move forward, and God will take care of her. I hope that some of this has helped. Um, 
I know it helps me to get these thoughts out and um, get these thoughts out of my mind. It helps me think through things a bit more. So that's what's going to happen the next few weeks. Um, maybe something I say will, will touch you profoundly. Maybe it'll just be um, a way for me to get some of the thoughts that have been in my head out. Uh, but thank you for joining me, Stanley, again on this Saturday. God bless you guys. Take care.